Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the seventh episode of Concussion Chat. My name's Taya. Concussion Chats is a podcast hosted by the McGill Students for the Concussion Legacy Foundation with the help of Nick from Concussion Talk Podcast. We're dedicated to providing hope and strength to those suffering from concussions through sharing experiences. Today, I have a recording of Raphael. Um, He grew up in Seattle and now lives in Silver Spring. Uh, He studied many different areas in college, uh, majoring in dance. His career has been in various IT and business capacities. He enjoys singing, cycling, reading, kettlebells, and ultimate frisbee when it is available. Part of me feels that I'm not good enough because in, in some ways my symptoms over time weren't as bad as, as, some, of the, as some other people's, but at the same time, I also know that everybody's situation is different you know so one thing i see with all with all the people who've had injuries is that if everyone with tbi just has their own different story so i'll share mine so probably the easiest way to go into the story is going back to 2007. Um, life was pretty good i was remarried moved to silver spring had a nice government job and new baby and i was in a minor car accident and after this minor car accident, I ended up with very significant TBI symptoms. And that made it pretty clear that, you know, I really had had, had been suffering from TBI symptoms for decades, but it hadn't been dealt with because they, they were subtle and they looked more like bad habits, bad personality traits. I thought I was, you know, just sometimes lazy, you know, didn't try hard enough. And, you know, but after this accident, I had some anger issues, not, not in the worst ways. It reminded me of soldiers coming back from Iraq who suffered from IED explosions. And, you know, very fortunately, soon after the accident, someone referred me to neurofeedback. And so I started neurofeedback. And, you know, that over a course of a few months mitigated some of the worst of the, of the symptoms. You know, but really... You know, tracing it back, so I'd had a really serious bicycle accident in high school. 
And so that happened in the middle of high school. And even after that, it didn't seem like it was a big deal. The vice vaccine was very serious, no helmet, I was in a coma. But after spending five days in the hospital and five days in a dark room, you know, came out, seemed mostly okay. Neurologist and follow-up said, you're okay. There wasn't anything to be done. Um, but then in retrospect, because I was taking university classes at night where my, as a really good student in high school, it, you know, I wasn't as effective at the university class, was, but it was really after high school when I went to college where I became a failure. I went overseas, went to a very difficult program, um, tried to prepare for it and didn't know how to ask for help and really spent eight years bouncing around different colleges, different places, you know, two places in Israel, a place in New York, you know, back to Seattle at University of Washington, you know, trying different things there. You know, eventually I got into dance and started enjoying that and was also studying acting and music. And in retrospect, I see that number one, I wasn't able to do academic courses at that time. I couldn't concentrate, you know, and I thought it was a problem with me. I, I didn't even know what the problem was. Maybe I needed to try harder. Um, but dance worked well and actually was probably therapeutic in the end. You know, I also went to massage school um, that because I was studying energy work, you know, that had its own things, but really, um, it's, but the issue was I had lots of TBIs going back to childhood. Um, the first one was actually very serious. I was four years old. We were at a 4th of July party and there was a little cabin out in the woods in Kansas where everyone was lighting fireworks. And I decided to be cute and show that I could go inside the cabin faster than someone else. So I went in through the window, um, which would have been fine, except that someone had opened up the wine cellar inside. So I fell six feet into the wine cellar and hit my head, you know, had some tooth issues um, and, and all that. And so there were no major symptoms after that injury. However, um, going back, you know, I've, I've, I've written down a history of all the TBI um, injuries that I've had and I actually have this list and, and I thought it would be helpful for me to just to read off the list because um, it's a big deal. When I was four years old, I felt, as I said, I fell into this wine cellar six feet and then hit my head. Um, when I was 12 years old, I fell in gym class. I fell face first into the wall, broke teeth. Um, that summer we were in Canada and walking along a creek and there was some moss there and I fell and landed straight on my chin. Um, a year later, you know, was still 12 years old. I was under porch you know where we were living and i stood up too fast and i hit my head on one of the rafters um, when i was 16 i had the serious bike accident i was talking about um, when i was 18 i was cleaning my room in the dorm and the the windows opened in and so i had been down on the floor sweeping and i came up really quickly and i hit my head really hard under underneath 
the corner on the corner of the window, which is extremely painful. When I was in college, I was in a motorcycle accident. And that one felt really unfair because my last memory before the accident was looking at the speed limit sign, which was 30 miles an hour. And I was actually going 30 miles an hour. I was in a big hurry, but I said, no, you're gonna be calm. And I was going calmly. However, um, coming the other way was a lady in a car and she turned left in front of me. And I hit the, the car. They said I flipped over three times. Very ironically, my stepfather's parents um, came by the other way um, and saw them, saw the accident and said, oh, I sure hope that's not, that's not refiled. And it actually was I, that was weird. Um, in 1995, actually I had two different football injuries. One where someone hit me in the face and I don't know how that happened, but I was unconscious, went to the doctor. And another where I caught a pass, but then fell backwards and hit my head on the dirt. And this was in Israel where, where at the end of the summer, it's like concrete. Um, there was one time where I was dragged by a car. Another time there was a car accident. Uh, this time played Frisbee, the disc was thrown straight into my head. There was a time where a landlord lost a case for me at the courthouse and he waited for me. This is an ex-Marine and it attacked me as, as I was leaving the courtroom and, and hit me in the head. Um, there was another time I was walking out of the gym for 2012 and there was a double doorway and, I, and for some reason I looked back and it walked straight into the pillar between the two doors. Um, some other sports injuries, um, another car accident. There was a bus accident uh, where I was sitting in the bus and I became really sensitive to um, any kind of stress. And, and so even though it was a minor accident, it affected me. You know, a couple months ago, I fell while rollerblading, dislocated my elbow. You know, last month I fell off my bike. Um, no, thanks for listening to that because it was good to get it off my chest because these, as we know, these things are additive and it's, it's been pretty tough. But there's, the good news is over time as I found treatments, the bad news is it's taken a very long time. After that accident in 2007, I continued to do neurofeedback, which helped but didn't get me to the next level. And then a year or so after the accident, so, um, so basically I'm divorced twice because of this. Um, my marriages were okay. They're, they're good marriages, married to a good person, but they got tired of waiting for me because I didn't have energy. I didn't focus. Um, life sometimes would get to you. If I were in different circumstances, I probably would have handled things differently, but just being tired and unable to focus and in circumstances that were weird, like both times I graduated from college and from business school was during the middle of a recession. That made things more difficult. So, but then in 2009, um, my second wife decided to divorce me uh, right when my mother was dying. And she did the divorce in the worst possible way. And it's actually still ongoing. Um, she still harasses me in every possible way. And I don't have money for an attorney to force her to keep the custody agreement. But I've learned to deal with life better. I've done, I did neurofeedback for a number of years and neurofeedback 
there's a lot of different kinds. And so what would happen is I would work with someone for a while and then they pass me on to another practitioner, you know, with different equipment to see if it might help. And I was fortunate in that um, when I ran out of money, this one practitioner kept working with me for a couple of years without charge. And she felt a little frustrated because she's been doing it for decades. And usually someone who achieved the results that she achieved would have better results with her symptoms and I didn't. Um, but I kept doing a million different things. Um, and one thing that's been helpful over time is starting in 2013, I started working with this personal growth workshop. And I found that the healing that I do in treating the TBI works so much better when I'm also raising my self-awareness and just being better in myself. And now that some of these treatments are helping me, all the work I've done the last seven years on myself has def definitely come into play. Um, it's been hard not being in touch with my kids as much as I would have liked. Um, after the first divorce, my son lived with me and my daughter with, his, with her mother in Israel. Um, but and then my youngest son I'm very close with. It's a weird situation that his mother puts all, all these horrible obstacles in front of me, you know, and really, <clears throat> for example, falsely calling the police and saying that I'm driving dangerously. And, and so I would be arrested while my son's in the car, you know, really pretty nasty things. But, you know, it's been very rewarding staying focused on him. Um, I taught him to read at a young age and he's academically excels and we're still very close, even though I actually haven't been able to be with him for the last six months. She's not letting me be in touch with him, so I only have Zoom. And so I've actually risen to the challenge and just found all sorts of new cool things to do with him. Um, but the big change for me was two years ago, a friend put me in touch with a clinic in Baltimore. And this clinic, you know, led by a rabbi as a psychologist, he offered to treat me for free. And so going to this clinic, I started doing a new kind of neurofeedback and also what they call laser therapy, which is also known as photobiomodulation. And so I started noticing improvements there, you know, th th things that were better. And then a year ago, same friend uh, put me in touch with the Facebook group, Ghost in My Brain. And that's, some of you may know, that's a book written by Elliot Clark, highly recommend it. And so, Elliot Clark was also in a minor car accident and he had, he had major TBI symptoms, very different from mine, um, but he found these clinics in Chicago that really helped him, mind to eye be, being um, a major part of that. And it helped him immensely. And even though my symptoms were different than his, I really got the feeling that the work that they do would help me. And so I, got charged because even though it's not the most expensive treatments to go there, it's still a lot of money to travel and, you know, and, and pay for the clinics, but I decided I had to do this. And so I found ways to ask for help. There's some wealthy people that I 
knew casually. And I said, oh, if I'm ever going to make use of these connections to help myself, now's the time, you know, because this is what really counts. And I found some Jewish organizations in my community of all different sorts, you, you know, that helped, you know, in, in small ways here and there. And I even found Jewish organizations in Chicago helped me find places to stay and, and, and other practical things with the trip. And I made it happen. And it was, a, it was a huge deal. And it turns out that this, the book mentions two clinics, but there's a third clinic that I, that I find to be critically important that also you know, all the three clinics work together. And so in November of last year, I finally managed to go to Chicago to these clinics. And it was a huge thing, just embarking on this trip, thinking I can do it. And it was amazing for me that once I saw that the trip was possible, that it could actually happen in some way, all of a sudden I felt lighter. It's like, oh, I can make things happen. And that, that was definitely a huge change, you know, just being able to make things happen. And the first trip was a huge success. Um, even after the first meeting, you know, with Donnelly Marcus, who, who does these puzzles, you know, I, I was taking the Uber to the next clinic and I noticed improvement. And I, there's three clinics there. One is Mind Eye Institute. Um, with Dr. Z, Dr. Zelensky, and that's a key part. That's these glasses that I'm wearing. They call them brain glasses, and what these glasses do is they focus uh, focus light through the optical optical nerve to stimulate the brain to heal. Um, not the sort of thing I thought would help, but I figured I'd try it. Um, another clinic, as I said, Donnelly Marcus, um, designs for strong minds. Uh, really an incredible person and she has this amazing set of puzzles that are dealt with work for children and for anyone up to NASA rocket scientists and they're incredibly effective. And then a third clinic that's not mentioned in the book there but I find very important is with Amy Lukos and Carrie Heitkotter I think is her last name and they work really hard to help the body release trauma. Uh, both in terms of reflexes, we have some innate reflexes that help us, but in case of the trauma, they can get frozen and not help us. And then also just with tension in the body. Um, it's just really quite remarkable. I have a, a separate condition possibly brought up by the TBI, it's called ankylosing spondylitis, which causes the spine to fuse. I don't have it in the worst way, but I had tightness in my neck that wasn't moving so much that I thought was from that condition. And in my second trip to Chicago, after my last visit to Amy and, and Carrie, I walked out of there and my neck could move in ways I didn't think possible and that has continued to improve. And so these treatments have been very helpful. Um, incredibly, the first time I put on my glasses, I was on a Friday afternoon in November or early December, and I went to synagogue two hours later and I found all of a sudden that I could sing a lot better. And that has continued to improve. Um, Dr. Z told me that, yeah, that happens with some of their, their patients, you know, who know how to sing. And to the point that it's my voice, singing voice hasn't continued to improve for the last 10 months. You know, sometimes I ask, like, I feel like I don't know how to sing because I have a new voice and I have to figure out how to use it. Um, a funny case was there was an elderly gentleman in his 90s, a retired doctor, who started sitting next to me in synagogue a few months before that. And a few weeks after I started wearing the glasses, he said to me, oh, wow, your harmonies were much better in nights. I go to a synagogue where they do a lot of singing. And I realized that my, I knew that my harmonies were substantially different, but I think my voice was much more resonant. And what I suspect is happening is that I'm able to be more relaxed and let more of the voice work. 
so I've been to Chicago four times. Um, one of the one of the visits I pretty much only went to see Amy and Carrie, and you know my life you know has changed, and it's just been very gradual. You know some of the time going to Chicago overlapped with going to the clinic in Baltimore, and when I would have improvements, I couldn't say what did it come from the one of the treatments from Chicago or one of the treatments from Baltimore. One thing that was really interesting was I came back from the clinic in Baltimore one day and I could type because for years I had a problem with typing. I would type fast and make lots of mistakes. Types lots of mistakes, very sloppy. And after a while I realized, oh, this must be a TBI thing. And I came back from the clinic one day and was typing like, wow, I'm not making mistakes. I'm able to focus better. And so that, that was a huge change. And so my last trip to Chicago was in July. I plan to go again, that's just the most recent one. Um, as some of you may know, I, what I've been doing that's been helpful for me is just trying to do lots of things for healing. So in addition to doing the puzzles, you know, from Donnelly Marcus in Chicago, I also went back and played piano. I saw that that helped to try and do new things. So I decided, since I can't go to the gym, I can't play ultimate frisbee because of COVID, I went back to rollerblading. And that was an epic failure. <laughs> All the things I've tried doing, uh, everything has helped in some way, but probably in the past I would always lean forward so I wouldn't get hurt, but now my back is tighter and I was doing just a couple minutes and I fell backwards way hard and fell on a straight arm on my elbow, dislocated it very, very badly. Um, but one thing I noticed was mentally I handled it very, very well. And I think that was a sign of how I've improved. And it was very painful because five years ago when I was diagnosed with ankylosing spondylitis, I started exercising all the time. And after injuring the elbow, I couldn't exercise at all for six weeks. And that was really, really hard, but I needed to do that to protect the elbow. And I did that and I handled it. And probably the biggest thing uh, well, has been on top of that, that finally after I came back from Chicago, I was able to get a hyperbaric oxygen chamber. Something I wanted to do for a few years. Um, one, one detail I didn't mention is that I think 2013, I um, started going to NIH because I'm here in the DC area where they're located. And um, it was a big thing because I didn't have insurance and the, the neurologist there, they didn't have anything to help me, but just being with people who understood was, was, was a big thing. And for years I was trying to do hyperbaric oxygen therapy and trying to get to a study. But finally, with this federal money that's been coming in from the government, I was able to purchase a chamber. And that usually they recommend 20 to 40 dives in the chamber to, for TBI. And after 35 dives in the chamber, I felt good for the first time I could remember in my life. And, you know, it's still a struggle, but I keep feeling better. Um, I then discovered this book called Breath by James Nestor that's the case mouth, mouth, nose breathing. And that's just helped me be relaxed and, and move on to a different level. And yeah, so a challenge in recently has been that, oh, I've made all this improvement. What am I gonna do with my life? Cause really dug myself into, not dug myself into a deep hole, but I have a lot of challenges not having any money. My career and, and professional resume are in weird situations. So it's hard getting a job for anyone at my age but, and in a COVID recession kind of situation. 
you know, so I'm trying to figure out, oh, what can I do with my life now? And, and the big lesson there has been to do all the small things that I can do. You know, I occasionally reach out to people in the TBI groups if I, you know, to give recommendations or give support. And, you know, it's, it's one of the things I emphasize is, is like, you can't do the big thing you want to do. What are the small things you can do, you know, and, and to be happy with that. So that's really the, you know, the next step for me. And what's nice is I feel that I can. When I started going to the clinic in, in Baltimore, the head of the clinic after two months said, oh, most of our patients after two months, they're ready to go on and move on with their lives. And I didn't feel I had the energy for that. But now, you know, I feel that if I get a job, oh, I have a chance that I could do that job. I could stay focused, I could learn. And so it's hard because I'm actually someone who's very smart with a lot of potential. I was a top, top student in high school um, and, you know, was very good at doing all these things and you know, my life fell apart afterwards and I felt like an abject failure, you know, for years. And so if part of the healing, in addition to the treatments that I get, is really just been revealing myself and feeling that I can do things. And so it's now that I've gotten here, it's really the, the first inkling that I you know, feel that I can share this. Um, you know, that's what started happening in this group, you know, you know in talking to Emily, if, you know, a week ago I started sharing more and uh, it occurred to Emily and to me separately, you know, that, oh, maybe I could share with the group. And so I hope you guys find this helpful. A big thank you to Raphael for uh, sharing with the group. Today I have Emily, who is also part of McGill Students for Concussion Legacy Foundation, Nick from the Concussion Talk podcast, and his co-host Aaron of Concussion Talk podcast, um, who is coordinator for the Newfoundland Brain Injury Association joining. Newfoundland and Labrador. <laughs> I was just trying to short shorten the name. <laughs> anyway, what is going Labrador doesn't like that. <laughs> oh. All right. So, um, I really, I really liked his talk. It was, it was good. It was, um, it was very, very like holistic. Like he used medical medicine and the holistic approach. Like really, kind of showed the how like treatment is not only medical or not only one treatment and not only not just holistic but medical and holistic like it's yeah he felt he had the all this treatment first and they also talked about how he felt better when he started more mindful and got involved in doing puzzles and stuff and just being yeah, more just... combined and in synagogue like also his community community so social and and as a mind and also mm -hmm. the medical stuff so yeah um and like just the importance of like working on all aspects of you and like he was talking about like um part of healing uh was like rebuilding himself and like um that started with like mental like strength and stuff and um yeah yeah he's really been through it yeah that was a crazy list of and they're all such crazy horrible accidents and scenarios and just like wow um yeah no hearing those i was like oh my god yeah it was so shocking too as he read them he's like i didn't have any really major symptoms yeah. and i was like how <laughs> he's like, i got thrown off my bike and i cracked my skull and i 
fell through a window when I was four years old and stuff, and it's like, yeah. I flipped over a butt, over the hood of a car. So all of a sudden, like, a wine cellar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At the age of four too, so you would be tiny. It was like six feet. And your head wouldn't be as strong. Your soul would be as strong. He was crawling through a window too, so he probably went head first. And he was really diving quickly. through a window. Yeah. Or jumping, it, jumping through a window. It's crazy. Man, I wish everyone listening to the podcast could have seen your face, Emily. Your jaw just dropped. I mean, just so much to... uh, Can you just see, like, your little cousin or little brother that happening? Like, It's um, crazy. And And it's not even like that was, like, it, though. He had so many um, crazy accidents that... And, like, some of them would be like a freak accidents. Like when he was like 18, he was like cleaning his dorm room and hit his head on like the corner of like the window sort of thing. And like, shit, that would really freaking hurt. And then, like... It's like enough for him to remember it. Yeah. yeah. To be significant. Yeah. And just like the two, um, sorry. And just like the, like no symptoms. It's crazy. But I mean, I guess like, um, then, like, didn't really know as much about concussions, and concussions weren't a huge thing, so you wouldn't think anything of it. And it yeah. makes me think, of, like, how we talk, we're talking a lot about in sports right now, all these, like, sub-concussive hits, and how these different issues show up down the road. And it really kind of, like, it makes me think of that. Aaron, I don't know if you have studied that much, that area. With a... Uh... Subconcussive hits? Yeah. Yeah, not as much, but, like, it really highlights to me, like, it can happen in and out of sports, especially with him. Like, he got hit the first time, and then those all the other hits add on to it progressively. And probably a lot of the symptoms and experiences he has now are because of those on top of each other. Yeah, that's what yeah. I mean, I wouldn't even call those accidents subconcussive hits. Like, mm-hmm. No. Subconcussive is just any time there's no symptoms. Okay. Um, and you don't give yourself any, you wouldn't give you wouldn't me. give yourself if they happen outside of sports you wouldn't give yourself any time to relax or to rest to protect yourself. There's no rest. You're just thinking, oh, it's just uh, something people do this all the time. So I always thought. I mean, I think like maybe he like maybe it's not that he didn't necessarily have symptoms, especially like the younger ones, like with um like the crazy accidents and stuff like just it may just more so be like it wasn't something that this topic or known um yeah a lot of times too like with um falls or hits as well you can have lasting symptoms that you never really realize are there until you're much older so like for example i know someone who um fell when they were a baby out of a stroller, and now they have problems with their working memory. Yeah. 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 Crazy. I mean, I, like, didn't think about a lot of things, like, with me as, like, being attributed to concussions until, like, I started running the support group. Like, I never thought about, like, I don't know, like, the whole, like, seeing TV static thing. Like, I thought everyone saw that. I used to think, like, it was because my eyelashes were so long. Like, and I don't remember ever not seeing that. I'm so um, glamorous yeah, that I couldn't I even... Kids, like, <laughs> open their eyes really wide because they think that, like, it's their eyelashes. Like, 
I was just really confused. <laughs> um, but I mean, even being friends with Emily for like a year, I still didn't like think like, oh, that's what's wrong with me. Like this girl, like that's all that she really talked about. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, I don't know, my head always feeling like it's going to explode. I never thought that was uh, like, maybe I didn't attribute it to concussions because I wanted to keep playing sports was definitely part of it. But um, it's crazy. And it's amazing that he's made it through all that and is able to share his story. And Yeah, I was going to say, it's like you talk about times like when you were like figure skating and you fall back and hit your head and those seem like to me really significant like hitting your head on ice um yeah <laughs> and it's concrete is it yeah maybe yeah had, yeah maybe you had stuff and didn't notice and like in a similar way i also really liked how he acknowledged right off the bat um this is something my hair he I'm, i don't like it but i appreciate him saying that he like didn't feel good enough because his symptoms weren't as severe. Oh my gosh, I know. So important. Yeah, there are so many people that are dealing with like more subtle symptoms and they just like don't feel like it's bad enough to talk about. But it's still happening. Anything, not even just concussions though. Yeah, I really appreciate his honesty with that and then acknowledging that everyone does have their own journey and that Mm. I still think there was a lot in there that a lot of us could relate to. Um, I, yeah, I really like that he started off his, like, talk with, like, the whole, like, not feeling good enough. Like, as soon as he, like, started saying that, I was like, oh, man, this is gonna be good, like, relatable. Um, And it was good. And I also, like, um, when he was talking about, like, going through the list and, like, saying it out loud was therapeutic for him. um, It makes I guess it makes sense, like, because it's kind of, like, making sense of, like, everything and, like, the difficulties that um, you faced and stuff, and I don't know. It's kind of, like, feels like the the recognition of anything, like, he realized he had symptoms when he started, like, he he realized they had brain injuries when he recognized they had some symptoms of something. They said, okay, that's probably, they figured out it's a brain injury. So that's when he had a brain injury. And knew he like he felt better when he got these like, great like the really good hospitals and stuff, and knew his mind felt better when he when he actually you know saw like people talking about mindfulness and puzzles and stuff. So it was more seemed yeah. almost that he as like which is only true not just of him but of anybody that when you actually recognize like recognize him, you understand that you're, there was a problem. Wasn't really, he didn't really have a problem until really, well, he, he did obviously, but he didn't really know it. What it, what it could be until he figured out, like, I don't even know what I'm saying there. Like he, he figured out he his... made sense of his challenges, you know? Yeah, like the, yeah I guess he, so, yeah. He, and, I, like, yeah. why things were the way they were. I mean, like, yeah. um, I can relate to that, like, so much. Like, I, I don't know, going yeah. through school, like, I always worked so much harder than everyone else, and I would not get the grades I should be getting. And then when I came to university... Um, I like got like diagnosed with things that were like, oh, wow. Okay. That makes sense. Like, um, that's why everything was so hard for me. Like learning disabilities and ADHD, like, wow, that's huh. Everything like makes so much sense. And, um, 
And I mean, like maybe making that list like helped him to make sense of things for himself. Yeah, and I think that him like at one point he was like, "Oh, thanks for thanks for bearing with me or something. Thanks for listening to all that." Um, I think so much of the reason people enjoy the support group is they and when they talk and when they hear other people's experiences, they really feel that acknowledgement and validation that they don't feel from the medical field sometimes yeah. or from their family members. And I think, I think it is so therapeutic to share your story in front of people who understand just so you don't feel crazy. And so you don't feel alone and that connection is so important. Um, and sometimes, yeah, like sometimes people go off, on tangents and I'm you know they're just telling their story and it's still really nice just to hear about other people like doing their lives even though they're struggling with this thing yeah no I really liked hearing his story and I mean like I love hearing everyone's story but um he yeah he did kind of like be like oh like sorry like you know and it definitely is therapeutic for the listeners and the person sharing for sure um because it's also like getting it out in the open, um, but it's not to like you said, like medical professionals who won't necessarily get it or believe you. Um, like we talked about um, in our talk this Thursday, um, just like how medical professionals can be like, oh, like it's just this, or just like um, not take you seriously. And so yeah, being surrounded by people who do understand concussions and believe you is definitely um, really helpful. Yeah. Um, one of the other things he was talking about you, with the Yeah, you're a cat, and your cat. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm paying attention to half century. She's not going to attack oh, you. Gosh. Or he's not going to attack you. I don't see him. No. <laughs> I'll put my hand up and I see him leaping at your head. Yeah. <laughs> But he talked about neurofeedback as well, which was really interesting because um, there's a clinic back where I'm from in Fredericton, New Brunswick, that does neuro and biofeedback. And I was originally going to do some training there, but it's a very interesting and promising field that I wish we had more of here in Canada as well. I know he was speaking from the United States where there's a lot more options with those kind of things, but it was very neat to see that he found that a proven effective treatment because oftentimes neurofeedback can be used only um, in terms of like anxiety, depression, ADHD, and other related, more so moods, disorders kind of thing versus like concussive symptoms after. But I enjoyed hearing him talk about how that was one of the most proven effective treatments for him. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, he said he did for a long, t- like a pretty long time. And, um, helpful he also talked about the ghost in my brain which is a book that like um emily and i refer to like in the support group quite a bit and it's um it's a really good book um and that um like so many people like who have read it have said like that kind of like um gives you i guess like it makes sense of things um, and, like, gives you, like, uh, the ability to, like, verbalize what's going on and stuff, too. What is Ghost in Your Most Ghost in My Brain? Um, the Ghost in My Brain uh, okay. is a book written by Clark Elliott. Um, it's this uh, guy he got in, like, a minor, like, fender bender, and um, he had a really long recovery. Um, and it was a 
like really like brutal recovery. Um, and he found, uh, that's, so the two clinics are actually three that, um, Raphael was talking about. Those were the clinics that, um, Clark Elliott went to that really helped him. So the mind eye Institute and designs for small minds. And I can't remember the third, but, uh, yeah, those were what I think got him back to his thing. Yeah. He, it's a really good book, and they have it on audio as well. I think I, I bought like seven copies. Oh, yeah. So just like, did the people. <laughs> um, but one of the people he saw was a neuro-optometrist, which I think our next podcast will be touching on that a bit more. Um, really interesting field. Uh, real quick, I also want to say, like, I, I totally forgot about this. I did neurofeedback for... I think six months or so out here. And mm-hmm. I think it did help a lot with the ADHD. And my ADHD definitely did get worse with the concussion. Mm-hmm. What, 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 what do you mean out here? Do you mean like in, in, in Tennessee? Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, okay. down in Tennessee, which is where I am right now. Yeah. Where I used to be. And the neurooptometrist has been a big help for me as well. So it's kind of cool to hear him talk about those things. But Clark Elliott's book, also, like, I cried multiple times reading it just because it did give me the verbalization, Taya was saying. Yeah, it's, I mean, like, the copy that Emily gave me, like, it is bookmarked and highlighted. And, like, dog-eared and stuff. Like, <laughs> and, like, I hate the whole dog ear thing, but, like, I, yeah, I wrote all over that book. <laughs> It was it was a really good book, and um, it's available on Audible too. Um, if people uh, aren't at a stage where they can read, still check that out if you can. And you can find some interviews with him on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Is he is he he's a he's just an he's neuro neurooptometrist, not a doc, not a medical doctor. A neuro he's not the neurooptometrist. That's Doctor Z. Um, yeah. What is he? He was a professor when he was recovering, right? Yeah, he was like, I think in IT stuff, computer engineering. Okay. I mean, I could grab the book right now and tell you. It's okay. It's not not a review session. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Also, it was awesome to hear that, like, even through all these things that Rafael's been through, and, like, he said, like, um he's been like going through all these things for a while and um and like now like he feels like he um he now feels like um he can like he can do that like he is capable and um that's amazing because that's definitely a struggle um but like hearing that he feels like he like if he gets a job he feels that he could do it he could stay focused he can learn um and just when he was talking about like part of um healing was rebuilding himself and feeling like he could do things and i think that's so important and also they had the he had the ability i'd say he didn't have insurance which i know is a big deal in the states but um Mm -hmm. Because he was able to, you know, go to go to NIH and go to Chicago and access these tons of different treatments and biofeedback, neural feedback, and 
which I mean, I, I can only speak for here, St. John's, and uh, you know, there's no neurofeedback. I don't know. I don't know, Aaron, if you know of any neurofeedback here, and she doesn't. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, just uh, just the accessibility of different options. I mean, even even like from St. John's, going to like, Toronto or Halifax is still a yeah. bit of a that's still still a task. It stands yeah. up itself, and uh, it's not as easy to get places. But so I mean, as long as you have the means, the, if it's accessible, it's places like and you have the actual financial means or whatever to access these clinics. You still need, you still need the more holistic approach of of just being mindful and and recognizing yourself and your mental capacities, your mental, just also not just not just medical, it's also your whole your whole being, your whole social. Mental, physical, everything. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree with all of that. <laughs> you don't stay, seem very just stay, stay awake. I just, yeah, I know. The narcolepsy just, just creeping. Yeah. <laughs> no, his talk was awesome. And I'm so glad that even through all those things that he went through, he is able to feel like he can do things, like he has the, like, ability, and, um, yeah, that's just awesome, and, yeah, like, I'm proud of him, I don't even yeah. know him, <laughs> like, go Raphael. Yeah, because he even touched on at the end there where he's just like, it's a bit more difficult to find a job currently with like being older with my resume being COVID right now. Yeah. And then, but he still had a positive outlook, which is amazing. And he was talking about like doing the things you can do, like yeah, and like that's so important. Like, don't focus on like the stuff that you can't do. Like, you need to like just do the things that you can do, and you know, and it's okay. But yeah. Is a good point, yeah. Yeah. So thank, so thanks to Nick um, for helping us uh, do the podcast, and thanks again to Raphael for coming and uh, sharing with the support group and being vulnerable. Um, we'll have a new podcast posted Monday morning. Our upcoming podcast can be found on concussiontalk.com. Spotify, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts. You can find more information about our group on concussionmtl.com. Our peer-to-peer -peer support group is free and open to everyone. We hold three weekly meetings on Zoom, which will be linked in the description. Thanks again, Nick, Emily, and Aaron for joining me today, and thanks for Raphael and everyone listening. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. HeadCheck Health bridges gaps in concussion care through simple, powerful technology. Join organizations like the Canadian Football League, Trek Factory Racing, the Canadian Junior Hockey League, Eastern Washington University, and Volleyball Canada who rely on HeadCheck to improve communication and optimize care. Visit HeadCheckHealth.com for more. The music at the beginning of this podcast is by Ben Sound. W www.bensound.com Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.